Welcome to Value-Based Care Insights, brought to you by Illumina Health Partners, a national healthcare consulting firm focused on improving the strategic, financial, and operational performance of provider organizations. On this program, we will explore trends and share valuable insights on how health systems and medical groups can optimize their performance to meet the demands of this increasingly complex healthcare environment and shift to transform the delivery of care. Value-Based Care Insights is hosted by Daniel Marino, Managing Partner of Lumina Health Partners. Daniel has been in the industry for over three decades and specializes in shaping strategic initiatives for organizations in areas such as population health, clinical integration, physician alignment, information technology, and data analytics. For additional insights, visit LuminaHP.com and sign up for our newsletter. Dan, over to you. Welcome to Value-Based Care Insights. I'm your host, Daniel Marino. In this edition of Value-Based Care Insights, we're going to explore some of the challenges that are occurring in rural healthcare. Rural healthcare providers are facing enormous challenges and being able to deliver the right level of care at the right time to patients in their community. And there's been a number of organizations who have been fairly creative on thinking through how do we deliver that right level of care, still make ourselves economically viable within our community and and really serve the needs. Well, today I am pleased to have with me the CEO of Great Plains Health. Great Plains Health is in North Platte, Nebraska. Ivan Mitchell is the CEO. He's been with the organization for about seven years, recently has taken over the role of CEO. Prior to that was COO for for a good number of years and has done a great job in supporting the organization, aligning with its physicians and really positioning the organization for success. Prior to that, Ivan had led another organization in a rural healthcare market, so brings a tremendous amount of, of experience. Ivan, welcome to the program. Thank you, Dan. Great to be here. So Ivan, maybe um, if you can spend a couple of minutes on what are you seeing right now is is some of the really the the major challenges for Great Plains Health as you're as you continue to position it for success and serving serving the patients, serving the community. Well, great. Well, thank you, Dan. Well, right now we have there are three, I would say three major challenges and two are kind of intertwined with one another. Um, we've seen the, uh, you've seen the reports out there that, um, that about half of the hospitals in the country will, will have a negative margin this year. Um, and so margins have, have really been crunched. And um, I, I bring it down to three, three areas. Number one is the, the, the workforce and the labor shortage. Uh, the amount of money that we're, um, and this, we had a, a shortage of, you know, and in, in mainly nurses, we'll talk about that, but we had a shortage of nurses Prior to the pandemic, I think the pandemic really exacerbated that that, that shortage. Yeah, I agree. And, Across the board. So um, uh, we're we're basically kind of uh, left with the decision of, uh, you know, if we if we keep a service going at the level that we have in the past, uh, we're paying just uh, extremely high uh, agency costs. Sometimes two or three times what we were paying before the pandemic, and um, it just uh, it kind of feeds upon itself. So. Um, so that labor shortage has been the biggest issue. Is um, I would say the second largest issue is is somewhat intertwined with with that, 
And we are a, we are not a critical access hospital. We're a 116 bed PPS hospital. So um, essentially we get paid per admission. We don't necessarily get paid per day. And so if someone comes in for pneumonia, your average pneumonia stay is three days. Um, you know, you get paid a, a DRG payment, a diagnosis related group payment. So let's say that Medicare gives you $5,000 whether that patient stays three days or 30 days. And so we've had a significant amount of patients that um, we've had patients over hundred days in our hospital. And so um, it's been difficult, especially a lot of those patients that you're, you're dealing with have some major, uh, you know, social and sometimes behavioral issues. Um, but that length of stay, if, if you think about it, 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 it costs uh, quite a bit of money to, um, to, to staff a hospital bed, you know, with the nurse, the meds that you give, the uh, the meals, and essentially all the care that you provide that has to be provided at the the hospital level uh, is pretty significant. So if you if your length of stay goes from an average of three days to four days, you just increased your cost twenty five percent. So yeah, absolutely, yeah, and you're not getting the revenue in there because the DRG is pretty much set. So I can see that being a major challenge, and then as you've said, exacerbating that even more is the high cost that you're paying for say uh, agency nursing support and some of the other supply inflationary costs that are inherent in the organization. Yeah, and we've typically, we've been tracking and, and we basically sit at about a dozen patients every day uh, that no longer meet um, uh, acute care status. So, yeah. um, you know, we, so it, it, it's, a, it's a fair amount of our, uh, of our inpatients that are, that are in that situation. So it just, yeah, you have some some major cost pressures there. Yeah. Now, if you are uh, in a critical access environment where you're paid cost based, it seems like uh, you know, at the hospital association level and whatnot, it seems like the the critical access hospitals are, um, you know, they're, they're they're still having their own challenges, but sure. they aren't dealing with that one, and, and and they're doing quite a bit better, I think, financially overall than the uh, PPS hospitals are this year. So, given the um... The financial challenges that you've had, and even with, you know, in your organization, and then certainly within the critical access hospitals, um, have you done, have you started to align a little bit more with them? Yes, they've been, they've been, we, we partnered really closely with them for, um, uh, for a long time, for as long as, as Great Plains Health has, has been in existence. Um, and it seems like uh, a lot of the time, the larger hospitals in the region they strive to, um, a lot of them will strive to take um, business or volume out of the small community and take it mm -hmm. to, their, uh, to their large facility because then, then they're obviously getting uh, both professional and technical fees. And, and, and that seems to be the, um, um, the way to kind of maximize financial revenue. We, we take a little bit of a different approach here at Great Plains Health and we kind of turn it on its head and we, we, we tell our specialists to go out to uh, the facilities around us, and then we even encourage them to do everything that they're comfortable doing in those communities. Now, uh, some of those communities should not be doing everything. You know, there there is definitely not some um, uh, higher level surgeries and things like that. But uh, we tell our orthopedic surgeons, if you're comfortable doing surgery there, go for it, do it. Right. Um, well, and you're just supporting. It's it's frankly, I think it's better patient care, right? I mean, going instead of having the patients drive. 80, 90, maybe 100, 120 miles, which is not uncommon, um, to be able to have that care closer to home, I think helps all the way around 
And if you can have correcting, create the right incentive model for the surgeons or for the physicians to, to support that, maybe, you know, certainly not going out there every day, but once a week or once every other week or something like that, that's a tremendous value add. Yeah, I agree. And, uh, you know, the, the, I think the patients are, it's always easier to recover closer to home. Your family can visit you and, and, um, and it, I think it's just the, it's just the right thing to do. We, um, our oncology program is one of the more impressive ones where um, we send our oncologists all throughout the region. And, you know, our, our, our service area is about a fourth of the, the state of Nebraska. And we even go into a little bit of Northwest Kansas, a little bit of mm-hmm. South Dakota, Eastern Colorado. And um, we, we have a, a good telemedicine program set up where, um, you know, we'll have a, a physician go to a hospital, you know, once or twice a month. But then we will see those patients through telemedicine um, the rest of the month. And oh, that's are, great. Yeah, they'll continue to uh, get their chemo- chemotherapy infusion treatments in right. those facilities that, uh, that are in their hometown versus having to, like you said, drive an hour or two to, uh, to come see us. So in, your, um, in working through that then with the special, particularly with cancer, telemedicine and virtual health, it sounds like is a pretty big part of your care delivery model. It is, yeah. We were, uh, we, I would say that uh, Great Plains Health was was really innovative even before the pandemic with with uh-huh. telemedicine. Not only uh, receiving some services, but then also um, sharing some of our specialty services with the region. And it, uh, I kind of use the analogy. It felt like before the pandemic, we were kind of um, trying to push a boulder up a hill and convince people to use telemedicine. And uh, when the pandemic hit. Um, uh, you know, it, 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 innovation uh, a lot of times will, will happen uh, during difficult times or traumatic times. And so then everyone jumped onto it and, and, and it was people were, were coming to us wanting to do it. And so that yeah. it, uh, well, sometimes it disruption like that is the best way to push innovation forward, right? It is. Yeah, it is. Um, and I prior to the pandemic, we had so we're our, our town is about 25,000. Our county is about 40,000. But uh, the fourth, the fourth state region that we cover is, has about 100,000, you know, in that population. And so, um, for a town like us, uh, for example, uh, nephrology, you know, we can mm-hmm. probably uh, accommodate one to two nephrologists. And they say the average physician uh, is getting two job inquiries per day wow. uh, because of the shortage. So if you're a if you're a nephrologist. Um, you're probably not going to want to go somewhere that you're on call 24/7, 365, and even even when you're not uh, technically on call, uh, you know how this works. Um, a colleague will say, "Hey, I just got a quick question for you," or uh, they'll they'll send you a quick message, and so you you really can't get away. So we we had partnered with uh, at the time we had a group out of Utah that was uh, doing telenephrology for us. Uh, we've since partnered with. Um, uh, some, an organization in Nebraska, uh, Brian Telemedicine, that provides the telemedicine services. But that's great. Um, we had uh, nephrology, uh, neurology, and, and stroke. We had pulmonary critical care. We had infectious disease. Um, so we had all of that in place before the pandemic. And so when when the pandemic hit, we we had a process, we had a system in place, and it was uh, very easy just to kind of uh, move that along and, and and get that moving. Yeah, that's fantastic. And I'll tell you, that's just. That's just such a big value add when you're taking care of patients across a region, right? Um, to be able to really use and utilize that technology within the care model, I think is uh, has a tremendous amount of value add. Um, 
I want to talk a little bit around about your physician alignment strategy. You know, you had you had referenced that um, mentioned that you know physicians are getting inquiries from other organizations based on certain specialties. You know, it's pretty competitive out there, and um, you've got a pretty good model that includes both employment, but then integrating with your independent providers. How's that worked for you in supporting your strategy and care delivery within the within the system? Well, I think it's gone very well. We have, uh, with the help of, of Dan Marino here, we have set up a clinically integrated network. And so um, essentially allowing um, um, the physicians in our region, both employed and independent, to negotiate directly with uh, insurers as a, as a group and, right. um, and then focus on value-based uh, agreements. So that's what we've done. Uh, when I started about seven years ago, it, uh, I think our... Um, our, our mix was probably about 40% of our physicians were employed and about 60% independent. Now we're probably about 70% employed and 30% independent. So that uh, that transition has 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 come. Um, yeah. We tell our uh, we tell our physicians that uh, you know you're welcome to if you want to be employed, you don't want to deal with billing, with management, with personnel issues. Um, we'll take care of that for you. You're welcome to be employed. Uh, if you want to be independent, we'll support you however we can with your independent practice. And if you become employed and then later decide you want to be independent, we'll help you become independent. And, and, and so yeah. we just we, we just leave it up to them. Um, I think that uh, from my perspective is that they there's a lot of trust with our physicians and our leadership. And um, so I, I think that's why you've seen um, more that have, have gone the employed route and just have kind of taken some of the headaches off their shoulders. Um, but I, I feel like it is kind of circular. It seems like right now the, um, the regulation, the legislation and stuff is, um, is promoting more, uh, more of the employment model. Um, I wouldn't be surprised with you know, changes in administration if that shifts and people are moved back to independent practice. Right. And uh, we just want to be a good place for our physicians to work. So we will support either model. If you're just tuning in, I'm Daniel Marino and you're listening to Value-Based Care Insights. I'm talking today with Ivan Mitchell, CEO of Great Plains Health, and we're discussing some of the, the challenges that are occurring today in rural healthcare. And kind of building on what you had just, just mentioned, um, I give you a lot of credit for that. You know, the, the relationship with your providers and really supporting the, the physicians, um, whether they're independent um, or they become employed, obviously is, is really critical. Um, but, but a big driver of that, right, is the, is the economics and the financials that come through, particularly on the revenue side. Do you feel like the, the payers that you're working with right now, do they understand some of the challenges that you're working through and your physicians are working through and serving the needs of the community? Personally, I, I think they understand it. Um, but in a lot of ways, the incentives um, uh, between the organizations are, are kind of malaligned. And yeah, so no, I agree with you. And that's a big point. I've talked about that many times on the program here, that the incentives of the insurance carriers and the plans don't necessarily align with a not-for-profit health system and certainly a rural healthcare provider like, like you all. I think it is, a, it is a bit of a challenge, but go on. I'm sorry I interrupted you. No, that that's okay. So um, I, I'm 
I'm, I'm obviously team hospitals and uh, the average, the average SMPA rated hospital has a 3.83% profit margin, or at least that's, uh, it, it's going to be interesting to see what it is for 2022. I'm guessing it's going to go down quite a bit from there. But uh, in my mind, you look at um, uh, pharmaceuticals, medical device and insurance companies, and whether you like the Affordable Care Act or not, they had to cap insurance uh, profits at 20%. And so- sure. Because they had to cap that, that tells you that uh, you know it was, it was quite a bit higher than that. So you're, uh, and then you'll see some some pharma industry and, and some companies that'll have three, four hundred percent profit margins. And so, healthcare is is grossly unaffordable. Um, and as a hospital, we absorb these costs from pharma, from medical device, from insurance, and then we end up collecting from the patient. So the patient hates us. But uh, I think when you when you follow the dollar. Um, I feel especially the nonprofit um, uh, community health systems are, are kind of the good player in the market, but uh, the way that this is set up is, is most people hate us. So it's, it's a little yeah. frustrating in that regard. Um, but I'll give you a couple of examples. Um, uh, Blue Cross Blue Shield in Nebraska, they're, they're going to start paying uh, 50% for telemedicine. And we, we basically kind of shared with them what we shared with you with our oncology practice. And we said, hey, this is very um, uh, this is uh, not rural um, uh, favorable, and we right. use those examples. And, and and you know the person we're talking to obviously can't make changes at at, at the high level; they can just kind of move it up. But um, uh, but they they don't do that. The uh, the other issue that we have we're having some some struggles with is is white bagging, where right. um, you know it'll it'll delay a patient getting a specialty med uh, sometimes more than a week, right. and. Um, the model that we try to put out there, we, we really like. We try to get the, the physician to establish a relationship with the patient locally. Mm -hmm. So yes, yeah, so that's the, um, the white bagging issue where um, you know, we, keep, uh, we keep pharmaceuticals on hand. We have to store them in an appropriate way. We have uh, licensed pharmacists that have to take care of it and, and do all this work. And then an insurance company says, well, you, know, you can't get the med from that hospital. We're gonna, we're gonna delay this you know, a couple of days while we ship something in from, you know, uh, another pharmacy. And then um, right. you guys who have absorbed all the fixed costs are going to have to go ahead and give it to them and we'll give you a $50 administration fee. Right. <laughs> and that just, and doesn't, just, just doesn't work. <laughs> it doesn't. And, 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 you know, and the reality is, is the, um, you know, it, it's basically taking the profit from the hospital to the insurer. Yeah. Uh, who, are, who already has a much higher profit than we do in, um, and then, um, you know, our, our hospital, for example, we are 70% Medicare, Medicaid, or uninsured. And um, so essentially, we have 30% of our patients making up the difference of the other 70%. So when you commoditize healthcare and you take services out of the hospital um, and, and, and take those margins somewhere else, essentially, what happens is the cost for the 30% of the people that we have here in the hospital, those have to increase to... Right, the cost shift and make up the difference for our, our Medicaid for our self pay population. Yeah. So, or you really are faced with a situation where you have to cut services, right? Yeah, because yeah, exactly. And can't afford it. And, and we're required to um, provide care regardless of someone's ability to pay. Yeah, and so, um, so we, we are almost kind of a public entity. And the more that you take out of it, um, you might say, Oh, this is great, we're going to save you know five percent if we take this out of the hospital and move it somewhere else, but. And it just expands all the stuff that, and the complicated stuff, the complex stuff has to be provided at the hospital. Yes, yep, absolutely. Trauma well, cares. Um, another area I'd like to get your thoughts on is um, 
is primary care. You know, there's been a lot of articles that have come out recently that obviously it's been happening over the last couple of years that there's been a shortage in primary care. But more recently, there's been an article that, you know, 40% of some of the primary care services are being served in, in some markets by um, advanced practice providers. And it does create, you know, some, some consternation in a market that has strong primary care physicians. But in other markets where primary care is experiencing a real shortage, um, that's been an opportunity to be able to fill the void. And what we've also seen in other markets is that telehealth has really been used to at least provide some level of primary care. It certainly has not taken the place of it, but it's at least provided some basic levels of primary care. What are you seeing in, in your market? So we have some uh some excellent stable uh, family practice MDs here that, uh, that serve our population. Uh, we also do have a fair amount of advanced practice providers that also do primary care here in our community. Um, so in our area being kind of a hub in, in Western Nebraska, our, our, our family, family medicine group seems fairly stable. Yeah. I would tell you a lot of the smaller communities that have critical access hospitals around us, a lot of them, um, <clears throat> Are, are much more heavily reliant on the advanced practice providers because um, you know they don't have any physicians out there. So um, there is, I think you're seeing, and I think just with the economics, you're going to see more and more of an emphasis uh, on APPs uh, providing that care in the future and um, um, being subsidized. With uh, there are a lot of telemedicine services now where um, some of the basic stuff you can go and 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 um, get the you know, Get the visit that you need, have them prescribe you a medication or whatnot through. through right. So I think you're going to see both um, primary care telemedicine, kind of primary uh, urgent care uh, visits go through uh, telemedicine, and I think you're going to uh, continually see the uh, the expansion of advanced practice providers, both physician assistants. Yeah. Centers. Well, knowing what I know about Great Plains Health and and North Platte, whether it's intentional or unintentional, you've done a great job of creating alignment with your primary care physicians and establishing that physicians as the core of primary care services. And then it seems like then you've been able to, to provide additional support through alignment with APPs and, and even utilizing telehealth. And I, that certainly can be a lesson learned for some, of, some other organizations um, who maybe have not taken that type of, a, of an intentional role and it is a challenge. It is a challenge for, for many rural health care providers because at the end of the day, care starts with primary care um, and you need to have that. So um, Ivan, this has been fantastic. I, I really appreciate all of your, your insights. For, for some of our listeners who do work in rural health care communities, um, whether they be physicians or administrators, any pieces of advice, words of, of wisdom you might want to share with some of your colleagues? Well, I think with, with, with any um, organization, any business, uh, I think you really need to sit down and, and decide you know, for our organization and our community, um, uh, what are we really going to be the best at? And so um, we've, we've tied um, being the best at to kind of our core service lines. And so um, we're going to have great primary care here, uh, but we've we've essentially said that being a regional leader, um, we're looking at cardiology, oncology, orthopedics. Those are kind of the specialties that we're we should be great at uh, in a community our size, 
and um, and then provide that service in, in the communities around us and, and, and back here. Now, um, I'm going to tell you that as a, as a critical access hospital that, that I ran, I, um, what I was going to be the best in the world at was very different than, than, than what I'm doing now. And sure. so I think there's kind of this, this balance of um, taking a look and, and being very pragmatic about, you know, what, what can we be the best at? And then really um, go all in on doing those things and, and being the best in, in that area and arena. And, um, and I think that for, for anyone uh, running a health system, a hospital, an insurance plan, or, or anything else, that's, um, uh, that's something that they uh, really need to look at and say, okay, how, how do we become the best at, uh, at what we can be the best at and go after? Yeah, I, I agree. Um, just a great advice. And I think, you know, hearing you, hearing you, go over some of those, those key things. I think in my mind, it comes down to three things that frankly, you've done really well. I think identifying what services, like you said, you want to be the best at, right? And focusing attention on those service lines. But the other two things that really caught my attention was how you're collaborating with other critical access hospitals and even really pushing the payers to help understand what the challenges are. And then the third thing, which I think is certainly a key to the success um, is your physician alignment strategy. That I think has been been great. So Ivan, I, I want to thank you for your time today. This has been fantastic. I'm sure our listeners really appreciated all of all of your insight and uh, best of luck to you. And, and I'm sure your organization is going to continue to do well. Thank you, Dan. It was a pleasure. I want to thank everyone for listening to another edition, another episode of Value Bakes Care Insights. Until the next insight, I am your host, Daniel Marino, bringing you 30 minutes of value to your day. Take care. Have a great day. Are you at a crossroad with value-based care? Do you need to chart a future strategy or improve your organization's performance? Visit us at LuminaHP.com to learn more about our professional advisory services and leadership development programs. Also, you can sign up for our newsletter on our website and follow us on Twitter and LinkedIn. To connect with Daniel Marino or for more information about the show, visit our website or healthcarenowradio.com. Join this conversation using our hashtag BBC Insights. We are Lumina Health Partners. Thank you for joining us today. Until the next value-based care insight, stay well.